in the name of Jesus. My travels back to Nebraska this past year took me through the river town of Hannibal, Missouri, childhood home of Mark Twain. And this made me think of his memorable work, The Prince and the Pauper, which since has given birth to numerous movies. In 1937, it first came to the silver screen with no less than Errol Flynn as the headliner. Hollywood later remade it in 2000, but who could live up to Errol Flynn? Now, while those productions had an adult audience in mind, Disney took the reins and remade the story for children, replacing Errol Flynn with Mickey Mouse. And later on, a certain cat that doesn't like Mondays but loves lasagna starred in A Tale of Two Kitties. The cat's name, by the way, is... And even Barbie, whose new and improved dream house that's been shown on numerous TV commercials lately, has her own take on Mark Twain's memorable work entitled The Princess and the Pop Star. Regardless... The enduring appeal of this story is understandable. A prince is tired of the restrictions of royal life, longing for the freedom to live as a common man. And when he finds a pauper who looks just like him, it is the perfect opportunity to switch places. After all, the pauper longs to enjoy a privileged life. The high and the low switching places. Even Mary, the mother of Jesus, has it on her mind from our text tonight. Yet it comes through quite a bit differently in the Magnificat through which we behold the child this night. Mary speaks about how the mighty are cast down from their thrones and how the rich are sent empty away. All the while, the lowly are exalted. And that appeals to our sense of justice, right? Let the rich see what it's like down here. Let the poor have it easy. But that's not what the Lord has in mind. Jesus is interested in a far grander exchange. You see, in this exchange, Christ does exchange places with you, but he does it by taking your worst, and giving you his best. And this is a far greater exchange because Jesus is far more than a prince. He is the very Lord. He is God in the flesh made manifest. This is whom Mary magnifies. Everything that she says is reason to magnify the Lord. Everything that she says is true of Jesus. She says three things. Number one, Holy is his name. See, Jesus' name is so holy that it is the only name given under heaven by which we must be saved. Number two, Mary says that the Lord is to be feared. And you might remember when Jesus heals a paralytic from Luke chapter 5, when he raises the widow's son from Luke 7, and when he exercises a legion of demons from a man, Luke chapter 8, he is feared by all who see and hear of these mighty works. 
And number three, Mary says that the Lord humbles the mighty. Jesus would regularly stop the mouths of those whose pride led them to believe they could get the better of him. So it was with the devil, you might remember, when he tempted Jesus from Luke chapter 4. And when the scribes and Pharisees tried to trap Jesus in his own words, Luke chapter 20, and the Sadducees faced the same result as well, Jesus stopped them all in their pride. And so we see that Jesus, with the power he brings, with the works that he does, is far more than a prince. He is God. Yet here, he comes so humbly. Behold, the child. You see, as Mary speaks these words that we sing tonight, she is in her first trimester. There is no cute baby bump to give witness to his presence. He is small and vulnerable, though he is greatest of all. For his greatness is not what we expect. His greatness is found in his weakness. Jesus is great enough to take on flesh so that he might take our place. And his greatness will be manifest when he appears his weakest, hanging upon the cross. Yet there at the cross, he is actually at his greatest, his strongest. He is strong to save, mighty to save, for that is exactly what we need. And this is a far greater exchange because we are even less than paupers. A pauper is defined by his empty hands, his poverty, and you might say that's all of us. But yet Mary rejoices that though we are humble, the Lord looks upon us. And in that humility, we recognize our dependence upon the Lord for everything. Martin Luther, you might remember, died with a scrap of paper in his hand that is regarded as his last words. It closes with a bit of German and a bit of Latin. Wir sind alle Bettler hoch est verum. In English, we are beggars. This is true. And that, my friends, is a humble statement. But it is also an exalted thing to say when you know from whom you beg. Empty hands before the Lord are quickly filled. Thus Mary confesses that the Lord fills the hungry with good things. And so we are hungry beggars, paupers with open hands before the Lord. Yet it is not just that we are lacking because we also, unlike paupers, bring something with us. We bring our sin. You see, as Jesus humbles himself to become human, he further humbles himself to take all of our sin upon himself. And with our sin, he takes its punishment, its death, even death upon a cross. And this is a far greater exchange because Jesus now identifies with you. Prince and pauper find out that the other's life is not as grand as they expected, so they're ready to go back to their given place in life. But Jesus knows what he is getting into when he identifies with you, with sinful humanity. He knows it will lead him to a cross. We, on the other hand, 
find out that his place, a place of righteousness and peace with the Father, is a great thing. It is forgiveness, forgiveness of sins. It is life and it is salvation. It is the good thing with which he fills us. And the even better thing is that we do not have to go back to the way things were before. Even after his death and resurrection, Jesus retains his human nature in his glorified, sinless body, that same body that we too one day will see face to face. And that means that Jesus is ever for you. He knows what you face because he has faced it in his own body. And so he draws near to strengthen you when you face temptation. He draws near to you when you are humiliated by sin. And even when you do not recognize his presence, he is there with strength and forgiveness. In your baptism, in faith, behold the child. He is for you. And this is a far greater exchange than what the best writers artists, cinematographers, or artists can envision or create. Because in Christ, you are more than a prince. You are a child of God who dwells with the Father for eternity. So remember this night, would you? Remember in your Advent preparation that in Christ, you are full of the Lord's good things. His righteousness, His mercy, His promises, His eternal life, His sonship with the Father. Be hungry for these good things. Come and receive them when your own sin seems to fill you up to the breaking point. For He became weak, so that you in Him are strong. Strong in the face of sin's humiliation. Strong even in the face of death, for you have received His eternal life. And in this great exchange, when God himself takes up residence in her womb, Mary rejoices. She sings loud and long and clear. Behold the child that he might rob you of your sin and pour into you his righteousness and mercy. And this great exchange, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, exceeds all other great reversals. So sing this night, would you? Sing with Mary, Virgin Mother, because boy, do you ever have reason to sing. Behold the child. The Savior came in meekness for you, for you, to bear your flesh in meekness. In the name of Jesus.